The Ringer's Charles Holmes and co-host Grace Spellman present the most notorious new podcast in the industry, The Ringer Music Show. Every Tuesday, they'll bring you the latest news, the hottest takes, and the deepest reporting about the wild world of music and the chaotic industry that creates it. Check out The Ringer Music Show exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Lippman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We got a lot to talk about today. Very Vogue-centric episode, I'd say. We are going to talk about the completely crazy wedding that occurred in San Francisco for Ivy Getty, who is the... Uh, in, uh, she is a Getty heiress. We were going to talk about Lady Gaga's um, Vogue UK cover. We're going to discuss um, Elizabeth Debicki in The Crown. These new photos that I happen to see on Vogue.com, but they're available in many other places. <laughs> um, and who knows where all this, where else this episode will take us. But we are going to start with a bit of a um, Kardashian Travis Scott update. If you haven't listened, uh, Amelia Wedemeyer and I, Amelia from Tea Time, uh, chatted about it yesterday so there's an episode on this very feed that you can check out also check out the ringer music show with justin sales and charles holmes talking kind of about all of the um music and music industry aspects of this tragedy um you know i think number one just it's truly tragic and so sorry for all the lives that were lost um there's really it's just kind of like hard to comprehend but um we wanted to hit on it again because you know Kardashians are not our favorites, but they are super famous. And I, I would say this is kind of the dominant story in the world of celebrity at the moment, um, which I think is sort of part of the issue and the problem. Um, the reason we're talking about it t- today is because since Amelia and I recorded, both Kim Kardashian and Drake have released statements. I guess I'll read them. Um, Kim Kardashian posted on her Instagram, absolutely heartbroken for the lives who were lost and anyone who was hurt at Astroworld. Just like all of you, our family is in shock by the tragedy. We are keeping all of the victims, families, and loved ones impacted in our prayers for healing, as well as Travis, who we know cares so much about his fans and is truly devastated. Drake 
also posted on Instagram and he said, I've spent the past few days trying to wrap my mind around this devastating tragedy. I hate resorting to this platform to express an emotion as delicate as grief, but this is where I find myself. My heart is broken for the families and friends of those who lost their lives and for anyone who is suffering. I will continue to pray for all of them and I will be of service in any way I can. May God be with you all. Um, Amelia and I were talking yesterday about many things, including why the Kardashians remain at the center of the story that really isn't about them. Yeah. And I think it's very vexing because like I like very many people, I think find them very frustrating and in this moment, pretty distasteful and um, disappointing and frankly gross. But I'm also like, I guess Kim Kardashian had to say something, but also like, I don't care. Like, I don't really care about what Kim Kardashian and the rest of the family think I didn't really need to hear from them. I just think that like the problem is that they always choose initially the distasteful path. And it's like, so it's like so maddening to watch over and over again. And then dominates these headlines. Yeah. They are at best distraction at worst, like a gross side spectacle that is taking away attention from, as you said, like a complete tragedy. And it is very sad what happened. And our thoughts are with the families of the eight people who died and the many people who are injured I don't pretend to be an expert on, you know, Travis Scott concerts and or crowd control or anything that was going on. And it seems like there is a lot to discuss in that context. And a lot of it is uh, really sad and upsetting. And like whatever Kendall Jenner is doing on Instagram or whatever Chloe's posting, like, does it matter? And I think you're right that they are famous. And I guess that, you know, and because of Kylie Jenner's relationship with Travis Scott, and because I guess Kylie and Kendall were there at Astroworld. Yes, is that correct? That's correct. They are, you know, they're so famous that they can't be completely dissociated from it. But the thing to do would be a simple, immediate, tasteful statement of, uh, of, of grief and sympathy for the, uh, the, the families and then to just go away. And That's exactly what I said. I was like, I'd like for them to disappear. Yeah. And, and they can't constitutionally go away. Some of that I think is the media at large and people are all over TikTok, just, you know, doing every angle of the footage of them and what they're posting, but they just also never have the instinct to be like, you know what? we're just, we're going to go away. This is actually not about us. And right. their, their entire livelihood is built around making everything about us. And it's gross and it's frustrating and it's taking away from like what actually matters in this situation. Right. And to that point, uh, Chloe's under fire today because she posted some like kind of very run of the mill Kardashian you know, portraits that are sort of like, you know, sexy pictures or whatever. I sound like a grandmother. Um, one question I had for you, though, is why weren't people more mad at Drake for not releasing a statement or like indicating his support for the victims right away? Because the Kardashians, you know, took their time. I, I you know, have my own opinions, but we actually haven't really talked about this. So I was just sort of curious what you think. I, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit of a double standard. And I think also some of it is just like the Kardashian content economy is both built on them posting things and also people just like constantly having opinions about them and, and having negative opinions about them. And then they, you know, there's just people 
like we're all in this like horrible cycle. I'm not in this horrible cycle. No, thank you. Like I, I would rather not be a part of it at all, but the way that they interact with the media and the public and the, just the way the public interacts with them, there's just like more attention. And obviously Drake is one of the most successful pop stars working and like incredibly famous, but I think has less of an expectation of uh, like an instant feedback loop between yeah. people. Yeah. And and then also, of course, you know, sexism or whatever. But I, like, I don't really want to trot that out in defense yeah. of the Kardashians right now. I think Drake has not set the expectation that he will express himself like in the moment on social media. Like, in fact, he he's pretty active, but he also takes breaks and he's um he manages obviously social media very carefully. I think, you know, Amelia and I discussed this a little bit yesterday where things get really touchy is that the Kardashians have long been rumored to have working relationships with many press outlets. And so when you do hear about them or from them, it's just, you know, it's part of a master. You, I shouldn't say, you know, cause I don't know for sure. I suspect it's part of a, a, a managed strategy. And so because so much energy and effort goes into, um, what they communicate, how they communicate it, when they communicate it. But the constant is that they are kind of like always communicating something is fresh. And then sort of makes watching the rollout of events and various announcements, just incredibly maddening. And just like I said, very distasteful. I really, I, I don't think that the jam session audience really needs to hear this, but I do think that if you are mad about this, stop buying their fucking products, stop unfollow them on Instagram. Like just like, I, I can't express how deeply I feel that way. I hope that every person who is upset about Astroworld does not buy a lip kit or any Kylie Jenner cosmetics if they're mad at, at Kylie, although I don't think it's her fault. But if you do think it's her fault, that's what you should do. Yeah. In addition to that, I would seek out like information and conversations around like the actual tragedy that happened. Yeah. As you mentioned, the Ringer Music Show did a great show about it. I really recommend Joe Coscarelli's writing and reporting in the New York Times, um, who kind of puts all of this into a lot of context. And I, you know, like a really terrible thing happened and whatever Kylie's lip kits, like it, it you know, they're, they're gross, but it would, I, I, I think we should all put our attention if we have that energy elsewhere. Agreed. And on that note, let's talk about this crazy wedding yeah. that occurred in San Francisco over the weekend. Um, this oil heiress Ivy got married. Amanda, were you familiar with Ivy Getty prior to her Vogue spread? I wasn't. She's like one generation younger than the Gettys that I'm aware of. I, I is Balthazar Getty a grandson? Yes, of, I believe so. Right. And she's a great granddaughter. That's so correct. I'm just really not in the, the Getty Gen Z and online space. Nor am I, although I just want to say, I think she might qualify as a young millennial. She's 26. So okay. she might, she might just eke into the millennial territory. Um, since she was born in 1995, I think that might be the cutoff. So Gen Z millennial will let her decide where she identifies most. Um, her best friend is Mrs. Queens Gambit, Miss Queens Gambit, Anya Taylor Joy. So that added to the star power of this event. It was officiated by the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. It was attended by California Governor Gavin Newsom and San Francisco Mayor London Breed. 
uh, the Friday night, like quote unquote, welcome party. They're the sort of the wedding, the wedding industry has taken the rehearsal dinner and put it on steroids. So I don't even know what to call it anymore. But that event was DJed by Amanda's top love outside of her husband, the one and only Mark Ronson. It was at the Palace of Fine Arts. And the wedding itself was at City Hall in San Francisco. She wore a dress made of broken mirror pieces made by John Galliano, the controversial designer who was ousted from Dior because of a anti-Semitic tirade. And she specifically chose that designer because it made her feel close to her grandmother because Galliano was a friend of her grandmother. Um, And Getty, who is another person I am familiar with. I'm just really showing my age on this one. And J. Paul Getty. Um, uh, what was the name of that movie that uh, Mark Wahlberg was in that, and Christopher Plummer? All the Money in the World. All the Money in the World. Didn't see it. Big subject of pay disparity in Hollywood. And also... It's because was, Michelle Williams, who was all, was, was paid less than Mark Wahlberg for the reason. Right. So it's just a very troubled movie because also Kevin Spacey was in it. And then they, um, they edited him out and replaced him with Christopher Plummer. So very vexed film. Um, anyway, those are the sort of initial details. There's one... Hundred photos of this wedding on Vogue. Amanda, have you ever seen that many photos of a wedding in a photo spread on a slideshow on Vogue.com? No, I haven't. And as I'm scrolling through them right now, there are too many photos and my Chrome browser is freaking out and can't load all of them, which is just to give you a sense of what's going on here. This is... I do often feel at this point that a lot of the weddings that are covered in Vogue or other major uh, fashion and style publications are aware of the coverage as they're putting the wedding together. You know, it's like the Mm -hmm. next level of doing a wedding for the photos, which many people do. Uh, But these are being done for the Vogue photos. But this... Can I just, sorry, small personal aside. I now attend weddings for the photos. I was at my friend Leslie's wedding over the weekend. Congratulations to Leslie and Andrew. Congratulations. It was was really nice lighting at dinner, like inside the, the tent. And I was, I turned to some friends. I was like, can you guys take some pictures of me? I think this is really good lighting. I did notice you did a full, like on the Instagram feed, like carousel yeah. roundup of photos from the wedding, even, which is unusual for you. I know. I didn't even post the best one of me personally, because I thought okay. that would be weird. Um, it was I, like just a photo of me. I'll send it to you. After. Everyone looked great. It looked DM like a wonderful me if you time. See it. Thanks. It was, it was a great time. It was a camp friend wedding. Um, but I just want to say like weddings are definitely like for the photos. Like, and I just feel like I don't have any because of the pandemic. It's been so long with like photos with people in them. So we're all doing it for the photos. Anyway. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know I have to tell you, I didn't like any part of planning a wedding and ultimately I did not do it. My husband did all of it because he wanted to have the wedding. Uh, but I do, I did have to go on some of the tours and I got to tell you the point when they like, just, they lay out, not just, it's not like where you'll be standing in order to like, you know, say your vows and marry this person that you're going to marry for the rest of your life. They just point out all the like points where photographers can be hidden and the various formations. It's like a photo focused tour. And I found that pretty depressing personally. Um, <laughs> but just that's that. And that's also, I go to weddings for the past hors d'oeuvres and the wet and the DJ. So that's just where I am in my journey. But this wedding, this Ivy Getty wedding, it honestly seemed like Vogue just like booked it. It's like they just made a Vogue fashion shoot, even down to like Hamish Bowles is giving paragraph length, like clearly written quotes about certain aspects of the design of the dress and the the event itself. Like nothing is conversational. 
nothing is personal except the repeated use of dear friend, which we just got to put everyone rich. You need to find a new word. You need to stop saying dear friend. It's just, it jumps out. You immediately sound fake. But this really seemed like Vogue robots wrote the whole thing and then staged an elaborate and sometimes very beautiful photo shoot. And then also Nancy Pelosi was there like marrying people. Very strange. Very strange. Also some details of the dress that I'm just sort of like, I don't love this. Um, one of the, one of the quotes with photo 34 of 100 of these pictures, <laughs> Ivy's wedding dress was composed of four layers. Quote, the bottom layer is a full corset matched to Ivy's skin tone with slightly padded hips to give that smaller waist. The second layer is a tool cut dress on the bias. The third layer is a white tool dress, which creates a kind of filtrage. And the final layer is a mirror fragment dress, which isn't fitted, but hangs like a tunic from the shoulders. Um, people do all sorts of things with dresses and couture. And I, <laughs> I, I, I won't profess to get it or won't claim to get it, but I think the like adding padding to the hips to create a, a waist effect is kind of wild for your wedding. I, it's just not the choice that I would make. Um, and you know, people do what they want, corsets, et cetera. A long history of this layering that he's discussing layering. So in right now, shout out Adrian Brody on succession. Um, different kind of layering, but I just find this like kind of gross. I don't know. This is just so I, I I'm also curious, Amanda, how yes. you feel about a really over the top wedding in the age of coronavirus. Well, I did also want to point out, this is really breathless coverage of a really rich heiress. And it's about two to three weeks after the Daily Mail tried so hard to make Bill Gates' daughter's wedding a thing. Yeah. They were just like really pushing it. And I suppose also they spent millions of dollars. So Bill Gates and family and Bill Gates' daughter also tried to make her wedding a thing. And I hope she had a lovely time. But it is funny that the weddings that are getting all of the coverage and that people are trying to push right now are just like colossally rich daughters of like very privileged people who are so divorced from the reality of what's going on that they don't know to not share a hundred photos in a Vogue wedding. Uh, so I think it's more, it's, it's less to me like strict COVID, like where are the masks? Like what were the protocols? We're like emerging into a new ish phase slowly. I hope everyone's like being very responsible, but you know, you kind of assume or you assume that people are taking precautions or you assume that they're not and like, you're not there. So you don't have to worry about it. I don't, I don't really know. I'm not really Um, worried about their precautions. I feel like I just, I don't know how to calibrate decadence right now. Just yeah, like, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, that you're just doing this. We've just been through the year and a half, two years that we've been through. Nothing is fully worked out. What do our jobs look like? Like what, you know, the world is burning as my husband would add in at this point. It just all still feels a little new. Um, and the fact that it is people who are so divorced from reality because of their inherited wealth just, and there's like no awareness of it. There's just no self-awareness at all in this. Such incredible cell phones from London breed, Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom. It's just like Gavin Newsom. Have you not fucking learned your lesson in this pandemic? (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, I've, I voted against the recall, my guy, but like how much money are we going to have to spend on doing this every six months? 
Oh man, I know. It's just like this is a this is really tough. Really tough. Well, I just don't even know what to say. Some of these photos are just absolutely unreal. I have I mean, I I kind of like can't get over it. I also think um I wonder how far out this was booked. Like I wonder if they ever like was there an opening in Vogue for this? You have to assume some of it's in the in the actual magazine com- forthcoming, right? Yes, just given the amount of time they spent photographing all and of Hamish it. Bowles attending. Yes. Also, I do feel like on Taylor Joy being in the wedding, I added some cachet to this, of course. Sure, of course. She's one of 14 bridesmaids. She was the maid Sick. of honor, but there are 14 bridesmaids. There's just an incredibly ridiculous long quote. This is the other thing. All the quotes are just really long. They're just full paragraphs, not how people speak. But about how John Galliano normally doesn't do bridesmaids dresses, but then he was like really inspired by this group of women and and decided to do something on the bias. And like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And all these women just like, look like they're just like draped in, in fabric respectfully. I know that there's a lot of craft that goes into couture design, but I don't really see it on display in these photographs personally. Um, how much do you think Mark Ronson got paid? I have no idea. Like, I don't know whether to say $100,000, $50,000, $500,000. I don't know. What is the going rate these days? I have no I have no clue, but he's not based in San Francisco. So you have to assume they're playing, paying for his travel and um, his accommodations plus a fee. And I, I honestly have no idea. Also, like, it had to be a lot. I can't imagine Mark Ronson's like flying across the country for like a random DJ set. For, I, I hope so. I just don't really know what the ballpark for celebrity DJ who also has his own recording career, who also just got married and seems really psyched about that and just wants to be with his wife. I, like, I don't know what the fee is. I think I read when there was that really decadent wedding in Chatham on Cape Cod a couple of weeks ago when Bruno, and Bruno Mars played. I, mm-hmm. I think I read that his fee was like a million dollars or something. So if Bruno Mars is getting a million. You got to assume it's a f- couple hundred thousand for... Yeah, I would hope so. I hope for that for him. If Me you're going to have to be a part of this. Me too. Um, celebrity weddings, decadent weddings. They're back. But the really is this, famous, cel- is this celebrity say, though or is this heiress? I about to say, truly famous people know better. They're not doing this. It's heiress. It's people who yeah. just don't give a shit because they're so insulated from the world. They're just like, exactly. I'm having the wedding of my dreams and right. Nancy Pelosi will be officiating whether she likes it or not. Although she probably liked it. She's not a woman just does things because she has to. Not at this point. Yeah. They're also like the Northern California elitist rich people set is not something I know like a ton about, but clearly in full fo- out in full force at this. Um, I, if I were Gavin Newsom or Nancy Pelosi, I would have thought twice. <laughs> I also wonder like when they accept the invitation, do you think they're told this is going to be in vogue and Probably. do they weigh that into the considerations? Actually, maybe that's a, d- a deterrent if, if they had known they were going to be photographed like this, right. maybe they wouldn't have done it. Because I think that's why a lot of them didn't go to Obama's uh, 60th bash. Yes. For the, because they didn't want to deal with the blowback. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. 
Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions all apply. See website for details. Anyway, shall we move on to our next Vogue story? Lady Gaga yes. on the cover of British Vogue. Yes. Um, I know that she's doing press right now for the Gucci movie, House of Gucci. Yes. But I have to say her record with um, Tony Bennett. Excellent. I love it. I've been <laughs> listening to it quite a bit. <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to hear that for you. I've not heard one note of it. And I probably will at some point because I will be like the number one follower of Lady Gaga's Oscar campaign part two. But I, that's great. I love it when you find a vocalist and a vocal album <laughs> that you can connect to, you know, it's, it's really good. Check it out, people. OK. I wanted to talk about this because ridiculous Lady Gaga talking about acting and movies is back. And I just... It brings me great joy. I have not yet seen House of Gucci. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And the energy that she's bringing in this interview is the energy that I want from the movie, which is completely sensational, over-the-top nonsense. She's talking about how she lived in character as Patrizia Reggiani for like a year and a half. She's talking about the dialect work that she did which if you've seen any of the trailers corresponds to her doing a like Sean Connery and hunt for red October Russian accent, but that's okay. I don't really care. It is, it is earnest and over the top and really extra in that special lady Gaga way that I don't always connect to in her music, but I'm absolutely connecting to in this press tour. And I'm just, I'm grateful to have it. (laughs) That's what I have to say. She's really something. Um, you know, one of the first quotes in this article is, <laughs> whatever I wear, I'll be serving painful Italian glamour from within. So that's incredible. I just also, even the thing where she's like, I was in character for a year and a half. Here's the full quote. I will be fully honest and transparent. 
I lived as her for a year and a half. And I spoke with an accent for nine months of that. But I just heard being like, I will be fully honest and transparent with you. I lived like, what are you talking? That's not, that's not transparent. It's not, but it's, it means a lot to her. And that's good. Um, you know, here's another great one. It was nearly impossible for me to speak in the accent as a blonde. I instantly had to dye my hair and I started to live in a way whereby anything that I looked at, anything that I touched, I started to take notice of where and when I could see money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wonderful. Great. Um, Tell Amanda, me more. She yes. goes on to say, I started to take photographs as well. I have no evidence that Patrizia was a photographer, but I thought <laughs> as an exercise in finding in her interest in life that I would become a photographer. So I took my point and shoot camera everywhere that I went and noticed that Patrizia loved beautiful things. If something wasn't beautiful, I deleted it. I mean, if something wasn't beautiful. I deleted it. Like it's, it's perfect. You can't script it. Um, Let me, can I read you the bit about the, the dialects and please. her accent? Yes, please. I started with a specific dialect from Vignola. Then I started to work in the higher class way of speaking that would have been more appropriate in places like Milan and Florence. In the movie, you'll hear that my accent is a little different depending on who I'm speaking to. That's the most specific incredible justification for the fact that her accent sounds like a bad Chef Boyardee impression that I've ever heard. God bless her. Um, I This is one more quote, and then I have a question for you. This yeah. Right, right before that point in the article. Sure. What if I didn't play some edgy, sexy, chancy, risky bitch? Some punky Italian gold digger? So the, the edgy, sexy, chancy, risky bitch is Allie from A Star is Born. Okay. And, this, her, and so her new role is is the punky Italian gold digger. Do you think of Allie as a quote, edgy, sexy, chancy, risky bitch? No. And that was actually what was like revelatory about the performance, right? Is that she was somehow not being edgy, like pushing the limits. Lady Gaga, she was very like grounded and earthy and like vulnerable and it was wonderful. A Star is Born is great. I was robbed of so many Oscars. And oh my God. So good. I just am so happy that things like this are still happening. It's absurd. It's unnecessary. No one needs it unless we all need it, you know, uh, because it's just silly. Also, I think it's important to note, I believe this is the same reporter who wrote the Adele profile for British Vogue. And he really, first of all, what a ride he's on. He is just yes. li- living it up. And I thought the fact that I felt like this reporter's voice was very present in the Adele article mm-hmm. speaks to the difference between how much Adele gave him versus how much Lady Gaga gave him, which was very little versus a ton. And it's it's just a really different approach to celebrity. I mean, obviously, Lady Gaga plays Lady Gaga in these right. interviews. And like, she, you know, he even tried to like disarm that, at least in his writing, by referring to her, her given name, Stephanie Germanata. But like the Lady Gaga performance of Lady Gaga on the Oscar campaign trail is so magnificent and over the top. It's like, it's just, she is the most committed to her craft. It's unbelievable. She's doing a full performance. That's why sometimes it's like, well, I just got to cut and paste all of these quotes because the you're if you're trying to communicate the experience of being with someone in a celebrity profile, which is my favorite type of celebrity profile, then at some point you just got to surrender to Lady Gaga saying stuff like one more quote. I'm sorry. 
Although age is just a number, what I feel mostly is a lot of love for the artistic community and the artistic collective, she says, telling me I must deliver this message from her, quote, to the world. <laughs> I Sure. What? But why not? Oh my god! It also has not that has nothing to do with age. So like that's, I don't I don't know what she's talking about. It's but few people can and will do this at this level. You know, yeah, I know in in public at this point, and I find it soothing. And I really I can't wait for another. Hopefully, hopefully this is an awards contention at least so that she's campaigning for a nomination. And we got three to four months of her doing like, there can be a hundred people in the room and one people, you know, believe in you, but whatever this year's version is. And I just, I need some frivolity and some, some low stakes, high drama, if that makes any sense. (laughs) And I accept it from Lady Gaga. Yeah. I, uh, I think also just, just to speak to her, her humanity, which I'm always searching for these days, there is a point where he also adds, for a moment, the performance of fame drops. And then she gives this, I think, pretty earnest quote. I know it's not the world. The whole world doesn't know what I do. And that's not the point. It's whoever's listening. Whoever's listening, I love you. And if you're in pain, I promise you it will get better. I do think she genuinely cares about her fans. So I don't know. Love you, Lady Gaga. That's just I all, think, I, all I've got. I mean, that's what's amazing is that there is like a, a weird sincerity in yeah. the midst of all of this artifice both, you know, literal in terms of the costumes and emotional in terms of these absolute ridiculous quotes. She's a unique level of, uh, of fame and celebrity. And she's incredibly is, gifted. It's, and it's most, wild. and it's mostly using it for good. And yeah. my heart is really open to it. Just like hers is the message has been passed from Lady Gaga to me, the world in this context. I think this is the only theater kid you truly like. And I really only like her in the context of of movies, I find it a little extra in terms of the music and the musical performances. And I, I mean, I like some Lady Gaga songs. Like I'm a, I'm a monster. Like, well, I, mean, I guess sometimes I'm a little monster, but I. Some great. She's got some absolute bangers. Yeah. But the, the theater nature of approach to the pop stardom doesn't resonate for me in the same way that just like the absolute over the top, like, Almost, it's not quite like old Hollywood, but she has a real sense of flair that I think is missing from a lot of movies. And we don't get that many movie stars. And I I just enjoy it in this context. I'm right there with you. It's great. Check this out. It's a great profile. Okay, next up, some some smaller detours now. Um, Photos dropped yesterday from season five of The Crown. Elizabeth Debicki was seen shooting a scene that was an unintended uh, homophonic sentence clause. (laughs) Um, She was seen wearing the, quote, revenge dress, close quote, that Princess Diana wore for some event shortly after getting divorced or separated from Prince Charles. Um, Seemed to set the internet aflame. And mm-hmm. as and then there followed several headlines about Diana, including Jemima Khan saying she quit the crown and then the crown saying she didn't work for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then there was one that I didn't I didn't read and click into because I I'm tired of this, but it was like Megan and Harry slam for not defending Diana. It's just yeah. like, okay. enough of that. That was a real like Monday. We have no headlines. So we're yeah, gonna... it's like it's like sadness or this. So sure. we're going with this. That's for whoever that was. 
Um, when is season five of The Crown? I can't wait. It's November 2022. Okay, so we've got a year. Yeah. So they're okay. filming now. And I, th- I I believe, hope that they're doing... They're doing five, five and six, six at the same yeah. time so they can release them. You know, this has been, they released two years on, two years on. Yeah. Two years uh, on, in November. Years. This is, this has been the schedule. So this is the off year, which is sad for all of us. Um, it's been really interesting to see all of the photos because, and the reaction to them because the crown is really catching up to certainly the Diana tabloid era and really kind of the mega mass media tabloid era. Uh, that like Diana sort of founded in a lot of ways and a lot of people built on, but so there's just like a lot more comparison that you can do. There's like a lot more of side Side by side side. and, and so what the crown is doing just by definition becomes more recreation than interpretation or even like fake insider look, you know? Uh, and it's interesting to watch how people process it and and uh, and what they think about it and how much more it becomes this isn't right. And, you know, there there was always that aspect of it. And there's always been this tension between fact and fiction in the crown and what it's making up and kind of how it's making you feel about the monarchy. But it's it's an interesting moment that coincides with our like a lot of cultural reappraisal in general of the 90s and the 2000s and so i'm curious how people will respond to season 5 um if especially if it takes anything other than a completely positive view of diana right i have to say i i don't I don't think I will feel as much sympathy for Dominic West's Prince Charles as I will for Josh O'Connor's Prince Charles. But right. I, who's to say? That's just because I bring so much of my own memory as a Dominic West as as other jerks on television. So it's easier, I think, for me to feel like he'll be a jerk. But who knows? Maybe I'll be proved proved wrong. Um, also, very smart marketing for Netflix. As we just said, it's a long wait in between seasons four and five. And I would say Netflix in general is not an expert marketer. And that's very frequently why shows like Squid Game come to surprise. Be like, wow, everyone's watching this because it's not like they really, you know, I think a lot of their bets on marketing end up being wrong. And the things that like really take off are much more based on the algorithm. Right. But this is smart. This is like, I have not forgotten about the crown. I have not forgotten about Elizabeth Debicki as Diana, like, Every few months as it starts to recede, they drop something like they like store up these photos and and they just it's very it's very calculated. And I think actually well done. And this week is absolutely no coincidence that Spencer, the Pablo Lorraine, Diana biopic of sorts starring Kristen Stewart, who is probably I mean, she's definitely campaigning for and will certainly be in the Oscar conversation. And I say that not yet. Having seen Spencer, I'm seeing it tonight. Very excited. Can't wait. Amanda Dobbins. Let me know how it is. Um. But that, you know, someone else entered into the Diana crown tablet space and Netflix is like, no, no, no. Let, let us remind you of, of who is actually uh, retelling this story and who is going to be the authority on it. So they are, they're definitely steering this conversation that is like really massive. And I, I feel like, you know, people who watch the crown maybe aren't tweeting as much as they are about squid game and that sort of thing. But I like, this is a massive industry that this show is really driving at this point. And a lot of people are trying to, to hang on and, and, you know, make their own content. 
And I was just thinking about how um, they have the rights to the Diana musical, which is currently on the platform. Right. And I'm sure it's not really being watched very much, but think about all the people who will be pushed to it by the algorithm after season five. And they probably just like are happy to stockpile Diana content. Yeah, absolutely. And the, as you said, like the, why don't Henry, Harry and Megan like condemn blah, blah, blah is all like nonsense, boring tabloid stories, but having Harry and Megan on Netflix, it, like they're obviously famous in their own right. But, and I don't think anyone would want to admit it, but it is all part of the same. It's like, it's like search results. It's like yeah. buying all the relevant search results. Yeah. Sales. Yeah. So exactly. Well, Netflix, I guess. Good job. Figured many things out. Good luck to Jemima Khan, I guess. I mean, th- that was like incredibly funny of her just being like, I I finally decided to co-write with them and they took my credit away. And then Netflix was like really grateful for her input along with a lot of other people. And she was never uh, hired to be on this show. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, also, just to your point from a few minutes ago about the perfect marriage of tabloid culture and Princess Diana, that is a excellent chapter in the Tina Brown book about yep. how... Um, the rise of Rupert Murdoch coincided with the rise of Diana. And I, if you only read one chapter from that book, I'd recommend that one. It's really fascinating. Yes. It's really Because good. it really is the architecture for a lot of the tabloid media to come, which then becomes the architecture for the wild, crazy world that, that we are living in now. Truly. All right. Last item of the day. Jeff Bezos step away from Twitter, man. Yeah. This is like, and this is the consequence, like, right. Like we've gotten to a point where Jeff Bezos feels like he needs to be making memes of himself, uh, online in order to stay hip, even though he is the, he owns literally the whole world. Um, but because of tabloid culture, so a a video surfaced from the LACMA, um, gala this past weekend that a lot of famous people went to, they looked all, they looked very nice. Congratulations to them. And it was a video of Jeff Bezos's girlfriend, Lauren Sanchez, a live girl, um, <laughs> being, <laughs> sorry, I made you laugh, but it's really good. And it's, it was not it legal, not really legally good. obtained, but it was really good. And uh, Lauren Sanchez was very excited to encounter Leonardo DiCaprio at this gala. And it's just a video of it's Jeff Bezos is standing there, but Lauren Sanchez, all her attention is to Leonardo DiCaprio. So a lot of people, you know, memed this or whatever. I don't know. It's the internet. And then for some reason, Jeff Bezos felt that he needed to get on in on this and posted a photo of himself shirtless, trying to do his best, like welcome to the gun show pose uh, behind a sign that says danger, steep, steep cliff, fatal drop. And the, the caption is Leo, come over here. I want to show you something. <laughs> and I just don't think that you need to do this when you're uh, Jeff Bezos. I don't think that this is a win. I don't think that you need to interact with people this way. I think that you really had a clear lane for a few weeks in terms of like not being the worst billionaire tech guy in the world because of Mark Zuckerberg and Metaverse and the Facebook whistleblower and everything that's going on. And you just... Somehow you inserted yourself back into the conversation and people just don't that that's a that's a loss. That's not good strategy. <laughs> that's what I have to say. The less that I'm thinking about the Jeff Bezos, the better. Uh, yes, just, that's, that's my exactly. Note. I don't understand why really rich people don't understand that. I think they just get addicted to the attention. I mean, I, I think 
in addition to it, like being part of their business plan in the case of the Kardashians to go back from once we came, mm-hmm. it also becomes an addiction where they, you know, the attention that they receive and the feedback they receive, whether they're like actively checking their own accounts constantly or getting like updates from whomever works for them and checks their accounts. Like they're very aware of how they're being received. And so they it's can't, true. They but, can't not do it. But social media popularity is not a part of Jeff, Jeff Bezos's business plan. It's like actually. Sure. It's and it's so that is the distinction. And don't wade into things that you don't need to be a part of. Real unforced error is what I have to say. That's definitely true. Not that I, you know, am defending or accepting any sort of counsel position on Jeff Bezos's <laughs> committee, just to be very clear. But it's just like, what are we doing? No, thank you. Agreed. Also, that I just want to be honest, that meme really passed me by. I didn't didn't even know about it. So I, I think that's you know. good. I I have been thinking a lot about this. The the best way maybe that I can, you know, vote with my dollar celebrity wise is just be like, no, I don't know about that. I'm not paying attention to that. I'm not giving it space. My my pained relationship with Instagram carries on, but as a result, I do have less meme and celebrity info in my life, which I actually I wasn't going for, and I actually consider a negative byproduct. But the negative, the negative, the positive of not stalking people and being obsessed with Instagram is, is too good. So, okay. Well, we're really happy for you. And we all Thanks. really did enjoy the photos from the wedding. That seemed great. <laughs> Thank you. You know, so much. I'll just this weekend turn times. this into Julia in- Littman's Instagram review. Thought, thought I looked beautiful. And it's nice that I, it's great that you got to see all your camp friends. Thank you so much. We had a That's really what good time. Instagram should be about, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. Um, Thank you, Erica Cervantes, for producing this episode. And we will be back next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.